0: Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Mark.
0: And I'm Pastor Zach.
1: And today we are starting a new venture here on Reformed Podmatics, a new series of podcasts that we are calling Pastoral Disagreements. Yes. And uh, during the series, we're going to talk about some things that we, uh, Zach and I, actually disagree about. And, um, of course, the reason isn't just to stir up dissension among us, so that uh, we have to get our our word out there publicly about what the right way is, almost opposing the other side. Um, But quite the opposite, actually. We want to model here how Christians can disagree about things that actually matter a lot to us, but how we can listen to one another and hopefully um, learn from each other through these conversations. And so... It's very possible that one of us will be representing more of your view as a listener. And if that's the case, hopefully this will prompt you to listen to the other's side as well.
0: Yeah, I would say that something that Mark and I have worked on ever since I've been here uh, for the past three years, he's been here for a little over four, is trying to speak as a unified voice. Uh, about different theological things, and there's a lot that Mark and I do agree on. I would say the vast majority (laughs) of of important issues we see pretty much eye to eye on in lots of ways. Uh, But there are some disagreements, and so we just, yeah, we thought it would be fun to work through Mm -hmm. where we have these disagreements, um, not only so that we can learn from each other, but also so uh, we can model it, as he said, and help our congregation and others, especially those within our Reformed tradition, to think through different things together uh, in a way that is uh, fruitful, we hope, in a way that is helpful, and in a way that really causes people to think deeply about things.
1: Yeah, when we talk about disagreements, I would guess that some people would hear about that and think, oh, there's a disagreement between the pastors and... <laughs> um, yeah, in 2020 for sure. Yeah, maybe because your experience has been that disagreements are bad and people should get along. And when people disagree, then that's conflict. And hopefully we'll show that a disagreement doesn't, isn't actually a conflict necessarily. Um, Certainly these are things that do matter to us, but at the same time, I'm sure that you'll find over the course of the series that these are, more peripheral kinds of things, mm-hmm. and what is central is still very much agreed upon. Of course, not just the Gospel, um, but many Reformed distinctives we agree very, very much on, and even some of the more peripheral things as well, we, we see very uh, similarly also. And mm-hmm. so today's topic is going to be this issue of what is called high church or low church worship, and it's not yeah. it's not just worship, really. Um, but there are congregations in Christendom throughout the world who would be called more of a high church congregation, and we'll unpack a little bit of what that means. Mm-hmm. And then there would be others of more of a low church tradition. And so we're going to start with some definitions of what we're talking about, even. When we mean high church or low church, and I'm going to be representing more of the low church view, and um, I, I would say that both Zach and I probably we were probably good with a blended uh, worship style and so forth. Yeah. But um, he he coming out of more of the Anglican high church tradition when he arrived at Ammon Valley, and me having grown up in a very low church, um, what would be called a seeker sensitive congregation in my youth um, represent a little bit more of that sensibility as well. So, Zach, how would you define the high church?
0: Well, yeah, these two terms, high church and low church, are native to the Anglican tradition, uh, because the Anglican tradition is sort of more or less throughout its history, especially dating back to the 16th century and the Reformation, has had two, you could say, these distinctive streams of spirituality in, in the communion. Um, so, one stream would date its, or would root itself in the, uh, the English reformers, so we can think of Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley, Thomas Cranmer, uh, and they would be considered the low church, which is the more Protestant. They, these, these English reformers were uh, trying to bring the reforms of Luther and Calvin into the English church, and were in this way trying to be more self-consciously Protestant. Uh, the Anglican high church tradition uh, roots itself in those ang- in the Anglicanism that, that goes back much further than the Reformation uh, many, many centuries before. There's all sorts of debates about when the Church of England uh, gets its start. Some say it's very early in the first few centuries, some would say it's, it's uh, maybe about the fifth or sixth or whatever. And it, it, there's mm-hmm. different d- debates, and depending on how you count Celtic Catholicism and Roman Catholicism, are they the same, are they different, Uh, But the the high church roots itself in, you could say, in the history of the English church before the Protestant Reformation. Um, And so, but you could, we can use these terms, though, outside of Anglicanism as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, There's there's different branches of Christianity that uh, you could very clearly see these sorts of debates happening within. One would be Lutheran, you can even say there's high church Methodists and low church Methodists, Presbyterians, more and more especially, mm. um, have have this sort of distinction you could find within them. I've been to some Presbyterian churches that, to the modern secular eye, would look like a Roman Catholic Church, mm. um, almost like a big cathedral. Um, and yeah there's so this is this is something that can be thought of outside of just the anglican tradition
1: Um, even in the christian reformed church there would be some that are very liturgical and that gets to some of the definition as well of worship style Mm -hmm. um for example what is probably one of the five largest christian reformed churches is called la grave avenue crc in downtown grand rapids Mm -hmm. and um at that church the preachers wear robes and there is, um, there is definitely more of a sense at that church of uh, the separateness of worship, the sacredness of worship, um, the reading. There's more liturgy, the more yeah. litanies to follow, responsive readings during their worship than what you would find in other Christian Reformed churches, like the one of my origin, where um, it is a, it's, it's really almost just would feel like a non denominational church mm-hmm. in liturgy, in tone, in feel. It's very um, uh, l- loose, you might say, in the, uh, the structure of the service.
0: Yeah, so this de- debate certainly exists within the Reformed world, yeah. too. Uh, we can get into the history a little bit, uh, just to say that, in general, the Reformed tradition has been on the low, side, yep. or low church side of the equation, for the most part. There, there have been more higher Church Reformed voices throughout the history of the Reformed tradition. Um, one well-known one, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, would be uh, John Nevin. Maybe he's not well-known to most <laughs> people, but he's well-known among those of us who would consider ourselves high Church Calvinists. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so let's define these a little bit. Um, what, what do the low Church... In the high church, churches look like. What do mm-hmm. they think? What do they believe? And how do they worship differently? Yeah.
1: Um, well, and, so, and it, is, it isn't just worship, I, but that is sure. often where it is most visibly different from, especially from the pew perspective.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, it's very much an ethos. Yeah, high church is an ethos. Low church is an ethos. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like an attitude or an approach to to things. There are differences in. Some beliefs, so some theology is different, mm-hmm. some of the worship practices are different, and often a lot of the um, thinking of the how the church exists, what the church is, the ecclesiologies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are quite distinctive between high church and low church. And so let's think about starting with the high church, what does it mean to be high church? Um, so this corresponds to a particular... Set of beliefs and practices, attitudes, and ethos we could say, as I've as I've just said, mm-hmm. uh, of Christian ecclesiology, liturgy, and theology. Um, it usually emphasizes formality, mm-hmm. uh, resistance to modernization, and at its best, I would say, resistance to uh, 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 secular progressivism, yeah. and secularism. Yeah, um, and. It also values very much the power of tradition, the the stabilizing factor of tradition. So for worship, typically high churches have a very clear pattern of participatory liturgy, clergy, and they will use the words those churchy words like clergy, Mm -hmm. uh, who wear distinctive clothing, often known as vestments, depending on how high church you may be. So this would conclude things like the cassock, the stole, the alb, the collar. We're we're all familiar with seeing maybe a Roman Catholic priest Mm -hmm. out and about in public wearing his shirt with the collar. It's not really vestments, but it's a clerical clothing that is meant to denote that he is an ordained person. Mm -hmm. Um, They also will use written prayers and litanies, whereas low church people will use more extemporaneous prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, And often there will be a weekly celebration of the Eucharist. Typically it will come at the end of the service and will sort of be seen as the high point of the service, uh, the conclusion, the climax of the service. So the feeling of the service, too, is also quite formal. Uh, It can be more or less rigid or maybe even boring to some people. Um, And so they also use the church calendar. That's another thing to mention, Uh, Mm -hmm. and not, not only just the high holy days, which most of protestant most protestant churches use which would be be you know uh, christmas is the incarnation and then uh, good friday is the death of christ easter is the resurrection and then pentecost and so on but they will even use saints and celebrate smaller feasts and festivals Uh, just recently we had all saints day right november Mm -hmm. 1st
1: and to contrast that with the low church, right away there would be an increasing trend that low churches—I'm thinking a lot non-denominational or seeker-sensitive churches—would not even have a Good Friday service. Would yeah. very, very unlikely. It uh, would be unlikely to have a Pentecost worship service or an Ascension Day yeah. service. Uh, Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. some of these days that have been really benchmarks in the church calendar. Like, not only are they dismissing the saints' days and the feasts and things like that, but even some of the very central days to salvific history yeah. are not really uh, given attention. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> on the opposite side, they would be more likely to have a Mother's Day service <laughs> yeah. or or a Father's Day service, which... um
0: or even like a Veterans Day service yep, or something. Right,
1: Fourth of July special mm-hmm. service. So, for example, you see that a lot with, we have a, a service online where we can find PowerPoint slides. And there are innumerable slides available for Mother's Day mm-hmm. worship services. And I think we were looking for a Pentecost, and there were like three yeah. available. Yeah, And so that, that shows the low church's value on the church calendar mm-hmm. and how... It is very, very impacted by people's schedules, by more of the secular calendar, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah, so in the, in the high church tradition, typically if you follow the calendar, calendar a little bit, you follow all of it, right? Hmm. Uh, and so it becomes a maximalizing sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, you don't just celebrate Easter and Christmas. You're going to celebrate Ash Wednesday, which leads through the Lent season mm-hmm. and then gets to Holy the, the Holy Week. So you have... Palm Sunday and you have Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and then Easter morning. Then you have Easter Tide, Easter Season, yeah, uh, and then you have, uh, yeah, the Ascension, and you have uh, all of, all of the yeah, other Pentecost. other dates. You have yeah. Advent as well. You have Pentecost. Sorry, I skipped that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, it's a very full calendar, uh, yeah. and so usually you follow all of it instead of reducing it down to uh, just a few things.
1: And this is often seen even in the colors in the sanctuary. I yeah. my education was in a Missouri Synod Lutheran church, which was very. It wouldn't be the most high church congregation, but the reverends wore vestments when they led chapel, and definitely the sanctuary colors would change based on the different church seasons. That it was red for Pentecost, purple for Lent, and so forth. So. Yeah. Um, You you could walk into a church and just visibly see, very likely, um, if this church really values the church seasons or if it's um, sort of more of a Mm week-to-week worship service.
0: Yeah, and one of the other things you'll catch right when you walk into one of these churches, and this is largely one of those things that you know it when you see it, because you will feel a sense of awe often. That's what many of these churches are designed Mm -hmm. to make you feel. Um, You will feel the reverence and... Often, so I, I in seminary, I was going to uh, yeah, an Anglican church in downtown Orlando, uh, Cathedral Church of St. Luke. Um, and I, before this, I grew up low church. Um, and I've shared my story a little bit on this podcast already, but uh, you would come in, and most of the time before the service, it was quiet. You mm-hmm. could hear a pin drop. Mm. People often would pull down the kneelers, and there were kneelers, and they would be praying prior to the service starting. Um, and there was this sort of the sacredness that you, you felt as you walked in. Um,
1: Almost the, like you've left the world in some way, the, yeah. the busy, loud world full of commotion into a sanctuary.
0: Yeah, and the sanctuary was one of those traditional cross-shaped sanctuaries. And as you come in, you're at the foot of the cross in the, in the narthex. And there would even be, if you turn to the left, I can remember a little tiny uh stone uh water holder i don't know what else to call it maybe there's some technical (laughs) name for it but you would if you were more of the high church uh christian you would dip your fingers and cross yourself on your forehead and on your heart and on your ears or whatever you did i don't i never really learned it Hmm. but the idea was that you would remember your baptism as you came into the church and that you would remember that through your baptism you have been you have entered into the body of the church, mm. um, and and so you would do that, and then you would get your bulletin for service the service, and you would go and you would sit and wait for the the service to start. So there was this very serious sense of reverence of awe, um, but but maybe this would feel impersonal to some mm. people. Mm. Uh, thinking about now that that's the worship mm-hmm. and the sort of feel that it has when you're in there. We can just quickly move along to the theology of it. Some of the distinctive doctrinal beliefs include a high view of the sacraments. Some might even say an efficacious view of the sacraments. Um, A lot of times in in more high church traditions, such as Anglicanism or even Lutheranism, uh, you would believe in baptismal regeneration. Uh, And then when it comes to communion, you would have a relatively high view of communion as well. In Anglicanism, there was a lot of talk of what's called the real presence Mm -hmm. uh, of Christ. They don't want to use the word transubstantiation, uh, but they would say that Christ is present in communion, Um, and this is similar in Lutheranism as well. Mm -hmm. Their view is often called consubstantiation, though most good Lutherans, I know, don't like to call it
1: that. (laughs) Well, and, and you really see here how theology drives Method or their liturgy, mm-hmm. um, and I do think, particularly with communion, that's probably the most direct link between theology and high church versus low. Yeah, um, where it's been my experience now, I I lean low church, but um, one of my one of my critiques of that movement would be just times I've experienced in. Um, it was actually a Mennonite church, but it was very, uh, very seeker sensitive, so so to speak, very evangelical. And um, communion was the announcement for communion was um, okay. Well, the, the, you've all heard the sermon, and hopefully, it has impacted you and um, helped your faith to grow and edified your belief in Christ. And we're going to sing two songs now. And if you feel led, come on forward and receive communion. Um, and that's yeah. it. And, and I went so, to a
0: church in Orlando before going to the Anglican church that did the exact same thing.
1: Yeah, and, and that's very common. That is how communion is distributed. Mm-hmm. And so, it's up to you. And it it's remains just a private act. Right? Yes, it's very private. And even when the person is actually taking the bread or the wine into their hand, mm-hmm. um, nothing might even be said. It, it might just be that they walk forward and yep. pull the bread off the, the loaf, or are given a wafer or something, and they just eat it, and then drink some some wine or juice, mm-hmm. and then they just go back, and nothing is even said to institute or, or um, distribute the sacrament. And so that would be the lowest of the low yeah. view yeah. of communion, because it's then up to the individual to interpret kind of what they're even doing, I would yeah. say. And so that I would say that would be a critique of the low church view, whereas in maybe a Catholic church or a high church Anglican, high church Presbyterian, mm-hmm. there is very clear teaching going on of what we are doing, and there is yeah. the moment we receive it together, or um, the moment the uh, the priest would place the wafer into someone's mouth is the moment of receiving uh, the body of Christ, for example. So. Uh, it's just clearer, I would for say. Sure. yeah,
0: and yeah, in, in, in the Anglican tradition and even in other traditions like looking at other uh, liturgies and liturgical styles, Catholics, Lutherans, even in reformed churches, there's usually some sort of explanation about what is about to take place mm-hmm. in communion. Mm-hmm. And even there's there's often a fencing of the table, so to speak, as mm. it's caught, as it's often called, where it's sort of like, this is who communion is for. if you don't believe the promises of the gospel, communion would not be for you, but yeah, in some of those churches that are more extremely low church, uh, it's sort of...
1: It's, it's up to you. up to
0: you. Yep. Uh, it's what you make of it. Um, at my church in Orlando, before the Anglican Church, it was... The lights would go down dark, the yep. music would play, and you would walk up whenever you wanted to and just grab the, the bread and the juice. It was always juice. Most the super low church traditions are juice, I've mm-hmm. noticed. Some mm-hmm. of them, the more high <laughs> churches, more wine. Yeah. Um, Maybe there's a reason for that. Uh, So that's... Then we've gotten through worship and theology, which Mm -hmm. are, of course, intertwined. Now we can get to ecclesiology just real quick. Usually in high church churches or traditions, there's a strong regard for the historical church and for being in continuity both doctrinally and with practices uh, with the early church, particularly with the church fathers, I've Mm -hmm. noticed, Mm -hmm. having a high regard for names like Athanasius for Ignatius Irenaeus Augustine uh, John Chrysostom I could name a, a lot off mm-hmm. um, and so in this in a lot of this I've noticed this is just sort of my own reflecting in a lot of Protestant churches who are very self-consciously Protestant like our own. Mm-hmm the big names you will often hear about are the big Protestant names, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You'll hear a lot about John Calvin. You may even hear about Martin Luther. You may hear about Ulrich Zwingli. Or in our Dutch tradition, you'll hear uh, the name Zacharias Ursinus, who wrote the Heidelberg Catechism, or you'll hear of uh, later Reformed theologians, Bovink, Kuyper, as we've talked about on here. Mm-hmm. But in more of these high church churches, the big heroes that they often talk about, don't come from the 16th century, they come from really the second, third, fourth, and fifth centuries. Um, And so there's a lot of desire to be in continuity with them, and one of the Mm. other sort of links here is the idea of apostolic succession. Um, Usually in in high church Anglican settings, um, and in Catholic settings, of course, Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox settings, there's a high regard for apostolic succession, being within a line of men who have passed down ordination throughout mm. the centuries, and you could trace your ordination all the way back to the apostles. Essentially, that's the claim. Mm. Um, and so th- this is something that is held in high regard in, in high church traditions.
1: Even just ordination um, in that regard, so <laughs> that yeah. that is the extreme difference, really, here, because yeah, you have in, in a very low church congregation ordination, not even really mattering at all. And so, Oh, um, little Joey seems that he's, he talked, he shared a really good devotional in church, in, uh, in school or in our pastor. Yeah. He he can come on up and share that with the church and that'll be the sermon this week. Um, and, and that's, uh, might be good in some ways because it would encourage little Joey to, um, share his gifts yeah. with the Church and a testimony, but um, the role of ordination for the acts of ministry, um, sort of uh, ministry almost like with a capital M, with these are things that happen within the Church, would be, I would say, a lot lower in the Low Church than the High yeah. Church, that it would be unthinkable that little Joey would come into a Catholic church and yeah. would have anything to contribute from the front. <laughs> and yeah. um, and so uh, that's a pro and a con, I would say.
0: Historically, low church churches can be equated with more of the Anabaptist tradition. Um, hmm. Maybe that's a little bit of an overstatement. But Anabaptists, you could say, are the radical low church mm-hmm. uh, Christians, especially in the 16th century situation. You know, the reformed would be low church, Puritans would be low church but if you want to go really low church, you would look at the Anabaptists, and there are some Anabaptist groups to this day who do not have pastors. They do not have people who get up every Mm -hmm. week and share a sermon. Every week, Mm -hmm. different men are just asked to share a word from the Lord, to stand up in the middle of the congregation Mm -hmm. and share what they've learned that week. And so it's not just one sermon, it's just different people standing up and sharing, and that would be definitive for the, the low church yeah. movement that's a great i think example. brethren um church yep. of christ some of those yeah. do but that with brethren i think is what this one was yeah
1: and so that that's another example of a, a difference in theology leading to a different practice and so mm-hmm. uh yeah obviously ecclesiology that is the theology of the church will be quite different um between high and low and so Maybe getting into more of a definition for low church, this is generally, uh, while it would only be true, I would say, in Protestant, would, would there be examples of Catholic low church? I don't even know. Maybe You'd Jesuit? high
0: church in our, in our eyes, but there would be some Catholics that are lower church compared to other Catholics.
1: Sure. So like a Jesuit, you know, like a missionary yeah. or something like that who goes into a new area would... Um, would would very likely incorporate a lot of high church elements, but would maybe, in my imagination, be a little bit looser on um, some of the formalities.
0: Yeah, I think that there would be some of that. So I don't know about Jesuits in particular. Sure, but... sure.
1: That's my sense from seeing different <laughs> movies, I guess, where yes. there are Jesuit missionaries in them. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's not totally accurate, but um, that's my understanding a little bit. But in general, these are Protestants, these are particularly non-denominational I mean that's almost in their name that they would want to distinguish themselves from any denominational lineage by you know it's not as though grace church of Stockton or I'm just making one up um, that that they call themselves grace church non-denominational congregation but um if one were to ask the pastor what denomination are you a part of uh, I would guess such a minister would very proudly say we are not a part of any We're denomination just Christian. That's right. And so um, that has obvious implications for the worship. Um, and they will they'll do their own thing basically in terms of how they plan the worship service. It might be right. very creative. It might be very simple. Um, but low church generally means sort of a distance from Catholicity, and I think often this would be the case, certainly during the Reformation, was more of a reaction against Catholicism than something that was driven by uh, maybe a positive force of finding Impossible. place in Scripture where we um, where we shouldn't do those things. Um, it was sort of an anti-Catholicism, to be parts honest. Parts of the Reformation for sure, yeah. yeah.
0: Other parts, maybe not so much.
1: And even still today, uh, to be honest, there would be an anti-Catholic sentiment probably right. among. I'm thinking of, like, some non-denominational people who really want to appeal to ex-Catholics, and so they don't want to do the things that the the people used to do at church, because yeah, uh, that that is Catholic. Yeah, them. right. Or it feels too rigid, too stuffy, too impersonal, maybe, would be the accusation, which may or may not be true, but that would be part of the reason for a low-church congregation doing things in a very loose way. So... Yeah. Um, some of the examples of things that you would see in a, a low church would be um, less emphasis on the liturgy itself. Um, so, uh, for example, the worship service would start with, um, Hey, everyone, how you doing today? I hope you're having a great week. We're so glad that you could be here. Um, that's a little bit of how our worship service starts, um, less of a biblical or traditional call to worship, and more of an invitation or a welcome that's off the cuff.
0: Yeah, usually in an Anglican situation, it would be an opening sentence, which is a basically a technical term for just an opening scripture verse.
1: Okay, right, yeah. And so that may or may not be scripture, uh, it usually isn't in a, in a low church setting, it's more of a welcome to my home, almost, sort of feel, um, which can be really great. Um, particularly if somebody is walking into church and they have not darkened the door of a church building in 30 years, that can really help somebody to feel welcomed if if there's this sense that we are glad you're here and we're going to say so and um, welcome you like we would welcome our friend. Yeah. Um, and so that that's one of the little things that, of course, through the rest of the liturgy, um, I would say the less... Formal liturgy there is the lower the church is, and um, so again we think of like our own congregation where there is some liturgy. There is a structure to how we do things each week. I have I, I share a greeting from God. Um, typically, I'll have a scriptural call to worship. Like this past week, I used Psalm ninety-five, and then um, a prayer, a greeting that is a scriptural greeting from a Pauline letter, uh, Revelation one. Um, there's different greetings. Um, Zephaniah has a really beautiful one about how God delights in us. Um, and and so there's that greeting. in a. We're sort of a blended church, but in a very low church, you're not going to have that greeting, that sort of marking point of saying, the worship has begun, yeah, because it's, welcome, everyone. Um, let's stand and worship God together. And then the, the songs just kind of start and it flows into the worship service instead of saying it now the Lord is here, the Lord welcomes us with these words.
0: Yeah, it's helpful to think of this whole our this whole talk as being a very broad spectrum. Yeah. High church all the way. you could be super high church. You can be relatively high church. You can be moderately high church. Yeah. And then you can move down into different forms of low church. And at the very end of it you could be very, very low church. And this would be you know, a lot of the mega churches um, with the big bands, the loud music, maybe even as we joke around often, fog <laughs> machines, you know, light shows. This would that would be very very low church. Yeah. And so I think it's helpful to differentiate though on the spectrum between what we could call a historic low, historically mm. low church mm-hmm. um, vibe at a church and a modern low church vibe, Mm, Um, because in the Reformed tradition, we are historically low church, although Mm -hmm. today, if a non-denominational person came to Almond Valley to worship, they would think, whoa!
1: This is so liturgical. This
0: almost seems Roman Catholic to me, uh, because there's these different liturgical features that are quite clear, Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, historically, our church would be much more on the low church end of the spectrum.
1: Yep. Yeah, and that might even surprise some people from our own church who are listening to this podcast that that we would be less liturgical, um, because um, much, if we talk a little bit about the default mode of the American worshiper, um, much in the same, same sense that the default thinking is Arminian, I choose God, um, I make my decision to follow Him, and the default worship is probably more a low church, because institutions do not have the same clout or weight that they do in American culture Mm -hmm. that they would in um, a nation which has a lot more Catholic background uh, Mm -hmm. or uh, Eastern background, Middle Eastern, um, African as well. I mean, there are Mm -hmm. uh, traditions and liturgies of life and um, different uh, expectations on how somebody will act in public. Mm -hmm. Um, There are very clear cultural values in a lot of these other nations that have really been deconstructed in american culture Mm -hmm. and so the default would move more into low church and sort of that's where a lot of people would find their comfort zone
0: yeah i've heard interesting stories i don't know if this connects to that very much but interesting stories of missionaries i have a friend who was a missionary started out as a baptist missionary to to east asia Mm. um, and was having a very hard time uh, sort of gaining momentum, you could say, in his missionary work and evangelizing and planting a church that he was working with. Uh, But then over time, I don't know the exact story here, but would become an Anglican um, Mm. and started trying to really plant a more high church church Mm. in in Asia, and it worked quite well. Interesting. He didn't know why until he had to think about how the Asian people worked and how the liturgy seemed to affect them better than a low-church, Americanized mm-hmm. evangelical, get the guitar and the drums and the uh, have the fun hip pastor up there. Um,
1: Wear clothes that everyone else is wearing. Right. Yeah.
0: So it, if the more high-church uh, sort of evangelism he was doing, I guess, or church planting, he says to this day, worked much, much better, was more effective.
1: Well, that's a perfect example of how the default mode in America is comfortable equals low church, comfortable equals, um, Mm -hmm. uh, seeker sensitive, seeker oriented, I would even say worship. Mm -hmm. Um, and that not even being true in other cultures where um, often people are hungering for more of the transcendent, more of the, more of the liturgy, quite honestly. Um, and so uh, other low church, sorts of, um, distinctives would, I think one of the positives in it is that it is going to be more repeatable at home. So the, the songs that one would sing in more of a low church setting are songs that they're going to gladly listen to while they're driving around in their car, or when they're washing dishes after, after dinner. Now, of course, people could listen to hymns from the high church setting yeah, and do, do. that <laughs> yeah and 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 some do but i would say generally it would be um mm-hmm. well more popular and, and i mean that in the musical sense more poppy um that the music that somebody hears in church is going to be a lot like the music that they would listen to uh in their own for their own enjoyment in, in, that is maybe, maybe like other christian secular music yeah sec- a lot of christian radio songs and, and the, the point of that, I, I think that originally there was probably a theological reason for that, that um, there's no divide between the secular and the sacred. And so uh, there is a sort of a redemption of popular music by, by making worship mm-hmm. sound like the music that a lot of other Americans listen to anyway.
0: Well, I guess you could say that that's a good point, because uh, in, the, in the high church traditions, usually... What happens at church is supposed to feel very sacred and you and stays there, yeah, compared to what happens in daily life. Although, if you follow in the liturgical life of, of a high church church and you're doing the daily office and you do that with your family, usually, mm-hmm. ideally, the husband or the father is leading it, and the rest of the family is responding with the, uh, the prayers. Um, and then there's a, there's a, there is there's room for extemporaneous prayer in that, and you can sing hymns, mm-hmm. or even you sing prayers, um, and you, you're reading Scripture together. So I, I could say that it's, it's much more to take home and learn in a, mm-hmm. in a high church context sure. than it would be in a low church context.
1: Yeah, the uh, I, I would guess the uh, borderlines between um, what happens in church and what happens at home are intentionally a little bit lower. Um, Granted, there is that encouragement in the high church to do these things at home, so uh, point well taken certainly there. Um, I would even say, though, that some of the architecture and some of the objects in church um, of a high church, if I were to give one critique, would be that this is so special that it can't leave, Mm -hmm. and um, that's certainly how I felt being at a uh, the Canterbury, the Cathedral in Canterbury in England, where uh, the Bible was read from this podium that was brass, and so it looked very golden and had an eagle on top, and um, the Bible was huge. And so what that um, communicates subconsciously is, this is so much more special than your Bible on your kitchen table. Um, so... That's a little bit of where the low church would see those things and think, no, my Bible that I brought into church is just as good as the Bible that this minister is reading from right now. Um, And you know, with all the gold and all the trappings and and all of that other stuff, it can make it look like, no, this is a special kind of one that's a preaching Bible or so forth. And so low church sees that and says, uh, sort of the priesthood of all believers being a major um, emphasis there, Um, Now, of course, what they're trying to communicate in the high church is that God's word is so sacred that it is different than any other book. Mm -hmm. But maybe alongside of that, they're communicating our Bible here is Mm -hmm. so much better than the Bible that you read at your kitchen table or on your couch.
0: I think it ultimately comes down to the age-old question of what Mm -hmm. role does the church play in the interpretation and in the teaching of Scripture. Yeah. For the the more low church you are, usually there's more of a me and my Bible view, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and with the, the more high church you are, it's more of us and our Bible view. Yeah. Or, or maybe the I'd... minister
1: is telling me. Yeah,
0: and I have to believe what the church tells me. Yeah. So the church's role in, in discipleship is a lot higher. Um, you can't just have a Bible and live on live in your own as a hermit <laughs> sure. and, and have all the right things. There's a good point to that, because there's a lot of heresies that have been cooked up by people doing this, locking themselves in a room for nights on end and coming out and having all these new doctrines. Yeah. Uh, The Iglesia de Cristo is a good example of this from the Philippines. Mm. Um, and others, multiple others too, but the more high church you get, the more there's a sensibility of the church. I need to learn what the church teaches me, the Bible says. Yeah. And there's a lot of good to that. As somebody who's grown up in the low church world Mm. Mm -hmm. and had a sort of hodgepodge theological, uh, upbringing but there's also lots of problems with that where you can only believe what so and so up on the podium is telling you
1: yeah or you don't have to think
0: or you don't have to think and as long as you just agree with whatever they say you're good you've checked the box you're good yeah. to go
1: yeah and so you're you're hearing a little bit of our disagreement which is good um it's good to yes yeah, so to, to do I'll, that
0: i want to move into yeah. what, what are the we've kind of done a little bit of the strengths and weaknesses, but yeah. why do you hold to your view of low church uh, as opposed to being high church?
1: Well, yeah, like you said, there's a continuum here. There's a spectrum, and I would fall, hope, I, I think I fall pretty close to the middle, maybe leaning low church, be, yeah. because um, when I read the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, and even when I, when you read anything in the new testament um there just isn't a whole lot of emphasis on worship structure um now of course there is some emphasis on that when jesus goes to the synagogue and he's handed the scroll from isaiah and he reads from it and so there is that there is some structure Mm -hmm. but um when i read the ministry of jesus as him walking walking roads between towns going up on hillsides teaching the gospel, uh, the good news of God's kingdom, and uh, helping people, healing people. Um, The Apostle Paul also, just in this past week we read, he went out to the place where Jewish women were gathered praying, and he shared the gospel there with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Lydia responds, she is baptized, her her whole household is baptized. And to me, that that feels very organic and simple. Mm -hmm. And so I see the, the value of low church in that regard, where one would get the sense um, they could come right in and hear the gospel, and that would really impact their life uh, profoundly and powerfully. There would be a transformation through God's word. Um, That's that's kind of low church at its best, I would say, um, is the immediate access that one would sense that they have to God, Mm -hmm. um, not needing, uh, the priest mediator, not needing to be in this very sacred space, um, not even needing the liturgy per se, as much as just needing the presence of God Mm -hmm. and experiencing that personally through his word and spirit. So, um, of course there are gross abuses of this, um, taken to its extreme where, oh, well, I, we're just going to sort of loaf into, uh, loiter into church, and um, it doesn't really, we don't have to prepare ourselves mentally, spiritually, um, even physically. There, I I believe, should be some preparation for worship. Um, We walk to church, and so it's a little bit different for our family, but um, when we would drive to church, we would have praise music on, mm-hmm. um, worship music, that we are getting our minds ready to be in the presence of God mm-hmm. with God's people. And uh, I would say, realistically, a lot of low church worshipers are not really doing that a whole lot. And they're just sort of uh, coming in ready to have a almost like a spiritual pep talk, um, and then they're going to leave sort of just I'm encouraged I got my 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 spiritual espresso for the week and I'm gonna go now into um, a very secular existence after this
0: yeah there's a lot of uh, emphasis on come as you are you know yeah I mean, flip-flops shorts right. t-shirt tank top even whatever you want you know God's people God's our loving God he's our he's our daddy in the sky
1: yeah he accepts come you enjoy just yourself as you are yeah which is, get is your fix. it is true that God accepts you as you are but um well, that he desires to change you, though, and to uh, to meet with you despite your sin, mm-hmm. um, and and often the low church will will fail maybe to call people out of that ho hum secular uh, life and into the pres the very holy presence of God. Hmm. This is probably where. Your high church person would say, that you'd quote the Bible, that the Lord needs to be worshipped with reverence and awe. He's a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. And that's very specific teaching about our attitude in worship. And so that is often lacking in the low church. However, um, I do think that the accessibility of God is is just such an important concept to drive home. So that's where my theology of God's imminence, his presence in our lives, uh, motivates some of our liturgy, where hmm. um, it, it, if, if things border on too liturgical, it will feel like we need that liturgy in order to to access God. Yeah,
0: yeah. I would also think of, I can't remember the psalm off the top of my head, this, man, I'm, sometimes I'm just bad at Bible trivia, <laughs> um, but it's, worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. This is often a big saying, and and sure. more liturgical high church churches and settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that there's an emphasis on the beauty and the holiness of the beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, that often gets thrown around. But, but yeah, if I'm thinking about why I am more mm-hmm. high church, a lot of it is sort of my story of having mm-hmm. grown up very low church, uh, being very pushed up against a wall by, a, I would say, militantly Eastern Orthodox friend, and really starting to study high-church, low-church stuff, but really the value of tradition. So mm. for me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: tradition in my seminary studies uh, became a very high value for me, uh, wondering, like asking myself the question, am I, as a Protestant, an innovator theologically and liturgically? Um, mm. and, and is there any sense in which the Reformation uh, was inventing brand-new theology, or was it a recovery of historic theology, and fundamentally of the Bible. And so in my studies, a lot of my learning then turned to the Church Fathers, and I became very interested in the Church Mm. Fathers, and in what they had to teach uh, about very important doctrines, such as the Trinity, the Incarnation, even Communion, sacraments. I was very interested in that sort of stuff, Mm. and began to ask the question to myself, am I worshiping uh, in a way that that early Christians would recognize, mm.
1: um, it's a little bit of the question of the regulative principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would be Similar. certainly
0: tied into that. Yeah. Uh, and so, a lot of my sort of intellectual universe shifted towards wanting to be more what C.S. Lewis calls of a more of a mere Christian. Mm. I wanted to see myself in accord with the church throughout the ages. Um, and so that's why I sort of landed at a liturgical church. Another part of it, though, is that I began to see, largely through the work of a man named James K.A. Smith, who's actually a CRC mm-hmm. uh, believer and professor and yeah. philosopher at Calvin College or Calvin University now, uh, through his work, that a lot of uh, what goes under the cover of, mm. of low church worship has a anthropology or an understanding of humanity that is really just largely based on brains. Um, and so his critique is lodged at the sort of evangelicalism that is all about just getting the right content downloaded into people's brains. This mm-hmm. is, so he he talks about how worship is often seen as like a preparation for opening the door for somebody's brain to receive content from the sermon where they're just supposed to get instruction or maybe a little pat on the back Um, So he's critiquing, on the one hand, the super low church tradition, Mm. Mm -hmm. the mega church tradition, and then he's also, on the other hand, critiquing what we have called sort of the historic low church tradition, which is much more doctrinally focused, Mm. um, wanting to have the right information, the right ideas in your head, and he's arguing that human beings don't just work with the right ideas, human beings are embodied creatures. And so our worship should not only be informational and instructive, but it should also incorporate our bodies. We learn through our bodies. We grow as Christians through our bodies. And mm. so a big important thing here, of course, is the sacraments, and particularly the Lord's Supper, that God gives Himself in the sacrament. Mm. And so I would say, with with while remaining a principled, relatively principled, <laughs> uh, reformed, Author, he, he's so he's not just going off into, the, yeah, let's just be as high church as possible.
1: Sure, ca- yeah, sort of the let's, recovery of Catholicism. Re- yeah,
0: yeah, right. He's not trying to just become a Eastern Orthodox or even maybe a Russian Orthodox, which is sometimes mm. the most rigid of all the Eastern Orthodox churches. Mm. Um, he's saying with with our Protestant principles, uh, we should recover a higher sense of liturgy. And you, you could say he's sort of middle church.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Um, but his, his work on, on uh, what he calls the Cultural Liturgies Project, and really if you want a good book, uh, You Are What You Love is a good one that's really written for any lay person to read mm-hmm. and see how historic, traditional liturgies, which are, I guess, a little bit more high church than, than most, uh, are very formative and helpful in growing mature Christians. But the, the good thing, I think, that he holds onto in his work is that there must be a true zeal and and passion for God, Mm. which is often lost in high church Mm. situations and settings. Um, It all becomes about the ritual, Mm. all about doing the different embodied movements, crossing yourself, kneeling, um, uh, genuflecting, uh, coming before the altar rail and kneeling, and then crossing yourself again, and all these little things. You think, if I just go through these motions... Mm. I'm going to be good, Hmm. Uh, but I think uh, what really I've I've always found helpful is having the sort of evangelical passion for God, which is central to the Reformed tradition in particular. Uh, I've always loved the Westminster Confessions first answer, or question and answer of the Catechism, Uh, what is the chief end of man is to enjoy God and glorify Him forever. Hmm. Uh, If you're not doing that, but you are in a high church setting and you're not enjoying God and glorifying Mm. him forever, Mm -hmm. then you're missing something. And it becomes very quickly, it becomes superstitious. It becomes uh, ritualistic in the worst sense possible.
1: Well, both have the temptation towards superstition. Um, In the high church, it's regarding the liturgy. In the low church, it's probably the music in that if the music is good enough, and if the volume is really cranked up, yeah. I mean, replace the crossing yourself and the bowing with the volume of the drums. And, and it's, it's almost as if that can powerfully impact me and create some kind of spiritual experience. It's a, both of them have the danger of manufacturing the presence of God or, or an experience mm-hmm. of the presence of God. In different ways, but I would say it's still the same problem. So, um, that's that's a, a a great summary and even corrective for the high church. I would say, if I were to cre- critique the the low church view of worship, it's um, one of my my big ones critiques would be that it can be difficult to tell in a low church if a minister is speaking off the cuff or speaking personally or speaking for God. Um, if, if one were to go to a Catholic church or a high church, uh, Lutheran or Anglican um, worship service, it is just very clear that what is spoken from the priest or the minister are the words of God. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's it's not just something that is said, um, in the word of God, thanks be, or the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, but it's mm-hmm. something that's also kind of caught that mm-hmm. this is a, the, the service has begun. This man uh, who is up front leading this, I have less interest in him personally than I do in God right now. Mm -hmm. And um, he's not going to be injecting all kinds of anecdotes and stories into um, the worship service, which can kind of blur the lines to me between, is uh, is it this man speaking authoritatively or is he kind of trying to be my friend right now? Um, you know, making friends with 200 people at the same time is almost how it can feel. Yeah. Um, there's just no interest in that, in, in the high church, for better or for worse. Um, hmm. And I would say often it is more for worse because, uh, for example, when a worship service starts with, we're so glad you're here. Well, okay, then, then who is really glad that I'm in worship? Is it the staff is glad that they made the building appealing and made the parking easy and made the sign up for the children's ministry good. And we're glad you made it in because we must have done a good job at attracting you here today. Yeah. Or is it, this is how we begin our worship, grace, mercy, and peace to you from the living God. God is has gathered you in this place yeah. and it matters to God that you are here in this place right now. He's done it. He's drawn you into his presence. Um, so that would be a I would say a pretty significant critique, actually, of the purely low church that yeah. it can seem like you are there actually almost to make the pastor happy um, when
0: yeah you are you are patting his yeah stats, yeah
1: <laughs> or, um, or you know you are you are a new friend. I mean, to look at it in a more positive sense, you are new friends and and there is an opportunity to do ministry to you, which is true, but um, that's lacking. I would say in Um, and its impact on if somebody really senses if they're meeting with God. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say related to that, another critique of the low church would be that through casual speech, through more extemporaneous talking, there is a far greater likelihood of heresy or error to come from the people who are up front. I've experienced this myself, particularly when I was a new pastor I would be trying to say things in a catchy way or in a, a way that would kind of uh, impact people. And, and when that's your goal, you can very quickly get into some trouble theologically. Mm-hmm. And so if that becomes the the main reason for preaching is to give somebody that tweetable little quote from, uh, from my interpretation of the text, then it's you're only a few steps away from saying things that just aren't true about God. Yeah, um, that happens quite a bit. It's yeah, easy to make little it, slips like that. Well, like, um, Pastor Zach and I were at chapel um, a couple years ago, I think it was, and there was a very low church youth pastor who was there, and it was very, very clear that his goal was to be liked, his goal was to be funny, his goal was to make kids think the church is cool.
0: Yeah, sadly, that's accurate.
1: <laughs> and um, he ended up saying things that were utterly not un, not just untrue, but truly harmful to the faith of these kids. Um, at one point, he said um, he talked about how hot his wife was and how if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian young man, you just have a super hot wife in store for you. Oh. And 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 he said that. <laughs> to, rule of
0: thumb: Just don't use the two words "hot wife." At any oh talk to man, me. <laughs> that
1: was a real trend, and that's actually decreased. I would say in the last several several years. Praise but but um, that's a that's a low church mistake, I would say. I mean, again, yeah. it's unthinkable that such things would be uttered in a more liturgical uh, church. They're more yeah. tied to the mast of the scriptures in the mm-hmm. liturgy. Um, And another example of that, which is quite shocking, is this famous viral video of Victoria Osteen, uh, the wife of Joel Osteen, who after one of their services, I don't know if she had preached or not, but she was up front and she was trying to say something nice to the church about how they should find joy in worship. And she essentially says, you know, all of you, you're not here for God, you're here for yourselves. I mean, God wants you to be happy And if you're really going to be happy, you're going to come to church to make yourself happy more so than you're here to make God happy. And of course, it's a disaster. It's a theological mess. Um, But again, you just wouldn't have that happening in a church where clear, careful speech matters a lot to the ministers. And um, that's why I would say I fall into the blended structure, because that clear careful speech that is theologically accurate does matter to us as pastors as we're leaving the service or leading the service. (laughs) Um, But uh, not so much so that it will drive us into rote prayers, Mm -hmm. um, both W-R-O-T-E prayers, written prayers or R-O-T-E, (laughs) rote prayers that are maybe a little bit lacking in zeal or passion. Um, And so I would guess that everyone would have their stories about a time they were at a church and something was said off the cuff um, that was meant to be helpful that actually was just disastrous in terms of um, the theology that was being represented there.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of a story I heard from a really Reformed Presbyterian theologian, um, a really solid one named Carl Truman, who writes about an experience he had. He was back in England, where he's from, but he now he ministers and, and teaches mainly in the States. Um, he was back in England, and he went to an Evensong service at an Anglican church. And If you know mm. anything about the Anglican church, especially in in England and maybe the Episcopalian church in the U.S., is that they're both pretty mainline and, you would say, theologically quite liberal, mm. um, especially in the Church of England. So he goes back, and he's at a service. He just wanted to have a quiet prayer service. There's lots of singing. It's a kind of a beautiful... Evening service, um, and he says that you know the sermon was theologically a nightmare, hmm. uh, but because of because the service followed the 1662 Book of Common Prayer, which is a the, the traditional prayer book of the England or Anglican Church, uh, there was so much gospel contained <laughs> in it. Uh, there was so much good meat. Contained in that service, that even though the sermon was trash, mm. uh, he said, he, "Down the pew there was a Muslim girl who was likely just there, mm. just to you know have a quiet, uh, you know, reflective night. Uh, she would have heard the gospel very clearly because mm. they would have had they they confessed sin, you know, and they read scripture and they read more scripture than most mm. most Protestant churches. He makes he makes it clear most Protestant churches read a, a passage or two and that's it." Yeah. But in in the, the older liturgy, is they're reading, Old Testament passages, New Testament passages, and usually a Gospel and a Psalm, mm-hmm. um, and so there's lots of Scripture being read, and so, the, even though they there, so like in, in a low church with Victoria Osteen being a good example, things like this can be said and it can be it can be nightmarish, yeah. But and if something, but but in a high church, if something nightmarish is said, there's <laughs> still so much good. It sort of uh, is a safety net for the ser- for, for the sermon and the service.
1: Yeah, and that's a, a good segue into kind of how we see things playing out at our own congregation, um, whether that's where we are now or where we'll be in uh, other future ministry settings. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I would say we fall into the blended category, and we do have some of those liturgical elements where people will be greeted with Grace, and so the, we we yeah. start our worship by saying we are about grace, mercy, and peace, receiving it from God, so that we would share it with one another. Mm-hmm. And so, if it conc- if it starts and concludes in that it, with those words, grace, mercy, and peace, mm-hmm. um, or with with some kind of blessing of peace from God, as people get ready to go, um, that could correct any of the sense of legalism for example that one might have after hearing a sort of a hard-hitting sermon on some sin Mm -hmm. and and now that not that that's necessarily wrong but i I do agree with the corrective nature of the liturgy um and so i would say in in some uh after this conversation that the two streams the high church and the low church certainly need to learn from one another, need to value each other and listen to each other. Often, this Amen. is not the case. Um, yeah. Often, the yeah. particularly the Catholic would view the low church as a total free for all that is a disaster, which is not necessarily true.
0: To a Catholic, most every low church or Protestant church is hill song. That's what they yeah have, or yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and so they can't they could stand to. Uh, draw some of the passion the personal connection the application um the spontaneity of some of those services actually um instead of just thinking that god is in this box and here's how he is to be spoken of and worshipped um very narrowly and on the other side the low church can certainly view the the high church um, whether that's catholic anglican presbyterian um reformed in a, a very dismissive way, thinking, oh, they just don't care about people because mm-hmm. they're just stuck in their rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a a sad dismissal of a lot of good theological meat, a lot of good theological content mm-hmm. coming out of those traditions.
0: Yeah, just looking back you know, at the Reformers, we often think of the Reformers as being more low church. But there's a book that I, I picked up about a year ago called Reformation Worship, which has several liturgies from the Reformation, all from Protestant reformers,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's interesting about just how much of the liturgies were written prayers, and it mm-hmm. was something you would follow every week, which to us would seem, again, would seem almost Roman Catholic to do that, but they would follow these these liturgies, and I'm not saying we need to have exactly the same liturgies as them, even they allowed a lot of room for, for flexibility week to week. Um, it wasn't Hmm. Exactly, wrote,
1: R O T E. Sure, uh,
0: but it, but there was a sensibility of you know we want to keep a, a strong mast. We want to be uh, be going uh, mm-hmm. in a good direction. We don't want our tr- our services to just be all over the place. We want to keep them simplified. So in their context, they were very low church hmm. liturgies. But today, we can learn something from the structure and the beauty and the depth of their services that we, especially us in a more of a low church setting, like here at Almond Valley, uh, we can be tempted towards, especially people in the pew, tempted towards the... the more the entertainment the value. Entertainment yeah. What we see going on at the big church down the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to sh- help people to see that there there's something of value in having some sort of, of ballast in your liturgy. Hmm. Um, and this makes me think of a quote, which I think of often... Uh, it's a uh, tradition, traditionalism is the, uh, is the dead faith of the living. Hmm. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Uh, and that's a good, good quote. Um, hmm. Forget the, the name of the guy. He was a Lutheran who converted to Orthodox Christianity later on in his life. He was a German guy. Oh, Yaroslav Pelikan, there we go. That's, <laughs> I, that's, that's his name. Great quote. <laughs> How could you forget a name yeah, like that? Yeah, Yaroslav <laughs> Pelikan with a K. Yeah, very cool name. Yeah. Um, wow. But it's a good quote, and we want to have the right kind of tradition. I mm. think even High Church, me, Low Church, Mark, we want to have the right kind of tradition, tradition that is gospel tradition, yeah. tradition that is, uh, that is steeped in Scripture, uh, that the Scripture should be our tradition. And we don't want to have traditionalism where we're just sticking to things, doing things, because they've always been done that way. Mm. Uh, we should always be trying to have the right kind of, of, of church worship. Um, so for me, the, I like to have worship that is in line with the past, but I need to also be careful to not just ape from the medieval Catholic worship or whatever and say, mm. hey, they did it then, let's do it now. Mm-hmm. There has to be some principle here. And that's where maybe back to our regulative principle episode, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that becomes quite helpful.
1: Yeah, well, and again, the point of worship um, should be to be in the presence of God, to both yeah. worship Him and receive blessing from Him. Mm-hmm. And um, where both of these sides err is probably too much on a minister or a worship leader thinking, I am going to worship for these people. Mm-hmm. That happens in the high church and the low. Yeah. Um, instead of what I desire is that people would, in this place, seek the face of God, be called out of the world to some extent, Mm -hmm. and um, rest in the presence of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so um, hopefully that has been helpful. I mean, I I think that uh, Pastor Zach and I still have maybe our own positions, but it is good to refine one another um, and to take a look at a different perspective. And so um, hopefully that was a blessing to all of you who have listened, and uh, each of us can develop a uh, clearer view of what happens in worship and how each of us are called to seek God's face. Um, sometimes it's going to be difficult, and other times it's we're going to be led right in um, by the Spirit, uh, whether that's through a high church or low. So uh, God bless each of you who are listening uh, in the rest of your day, and thank you so much. Yep, the
0: Lord be with you. Bye.